The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Good morning. Happy Memorial Day to you. We want to remember those who gave for our country so that we could gather and actually open up the scriptures in freedom and uh, ask God to open our hearts. If you've got Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 today, uh, and uh, we're going to get right into it because today uh, we're wrapping up our uh, greater series, and uh, what we've been doing is we've been going through and looking at the life of Abram uh, or Abraham because uh, in chapter 21, God changes his name uh, to Abraham, uh, but he's known for his faith. He's seen as the father of faith. We even have children's songs about Father Abraham who had many sons. I'm going to spare you the song today. He's seen as this man of faith. He believed him as righteousness. And so faith uh, would actually in many ways, and he blessed him in order to be a blessing. For the last four weeks, Abraham, and God promised to increase Abraham and, and show God where he was going to take him. And for God's glory, he was going to do amazing things through this man. But, but I just want to tell you right off the bat is that Abraham, Abraham did not live a greater life because he had faith in God. God li- or Abraham lived a greater life because he acted upon that faith. And so, listen, you will not increase and you will not multiply because of what you believe. But you will increase and you will multiply only when you act upon what you believe. Listen, when when you say you believe something, it only becomes genuine upon it because not your words, but your actions will testify to what you really believe. Amen? Amen? And so what happens is what we, we, we do is we say one thing, but we act another way. And Jesus actually says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He, he asked, you call me Lord when you... And now listen, now Jesus isn't bringing us. He's saying, why don't you wake up? Stand. Don't be doing is you're saying. One thing, but your heart. You say you believe in another, and so God tests over and over and over and over and over what was really in him, not just what he said with his mouth. Are you following with that? And so over and over again, God would test Abraham. Do you really believe me, Abraham? Do you really trust me? Abraham, were you, are you really following me wherever I lead you? Is that really true? And, and listen, most Christians, when we hear that, whether from a preacher or from God himself, he says, he says, hey, do you really trust me? Do you really believe in me? Will you really go wherever I want you to go? Most Christians will say, yes, Lord, and then do nothing. Just do nothing. And so Abraham doesn't just say, yes, Lord. Abraham does what God calls him to do. Over again, we see his faith because he acts 
upon the fact that he does trust God. Think about it for a moment. In the first week of the greater series, we talked about Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis 12, God gives Abraham the promise of a son. Right? And he says, through the sun, I'm going to bless the world. Through your line, which is going to outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands of the shore, through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. I'm going to increase my glory through the whole world. Now, if you think about it, Abraham had to wait 30 to 40 years for that son. 30 to 40 years. 30 years trusting God. 30 years waiting on God, 30 years of danger and heartbreaks and setbacks, moving where God told them to move, waiting, just waiting for a son. Let me ask you, why? Why would God not give the son immediately? As soon as Abraham said, yeah, I'm in, I'm for that. Why would he make him wait 30 or 40 years? I believe it's because God is not trying to take Abraham somewhere, and he's not trying to give Abraham something. He's, God's trying to make Abraham into someone. And so he tests him over and over and over again for 30 years. And so what God wants to do through you is not really about that. It's actually about what he wants to do in you. And I hope you see that. I hope you hear that. I hope you receive that. God actually wants to do something in you over the next 30, 40, 50 years of your life. That's what he's doing. He wants to not just give you something or take you somewhere. He actually wants to do something amazing in you. That's what this whole greater series is about. That God wants to do amazing things through you. Not only does he want to multiply disciples through us, but he wants to increase your faith so that we would surrender to him. Abraham and his wife, they heard the promise of a son, and it seemed impossible. Do you know why it seemed impossible? Because they were super old, right? I mean, at this time, they were 90s, 100 years old, right? And so the promise, it seemed impossible. And, and, and Abraham was unsure where really God was leading him. And so right off the bat, God starts testing Abraham, you with me? I mean, if you just read through it, in, in chapter 13, God tested Abraham to see if he would put God first. In chapter 14, God tested Abraham to see if he actually trusted God as his protector. In chapter 16, he tests Abraham to see if God trusted him as the provider. In chapter 18, there's testing. In chapter 19, there's testing. In chapter 20, there's testing. And after 30 years of testing, chapter 21 comes, and the promised son, Isaac, is born. Isaac the name, it means laughter, son of laughter. And I think maybe because the whole thing is funny. Right? I mean, at this time, they're 100 years old. And they finally get the son. You see, at this stage, they're 100 years old. They've gone through 30 years of testing. And then comes Genesis 22. Can you guess what comes in Genesis 22? testing. And this is going to be probably the greatest test that he's ever been through. Check it out. After these things, God tested Abraham. Now, hold up. After what things? 
All right, so in Genesis 21, the son is born, and he grows up to a young man, and he grows a little older and a little older. And scholars say at the beginning of chapter 22, the young man is about 15 years old. And some of you are saying, yeah, a teenager at 100? That is some serious testing. All right, anyone have teenagers, right? That's some serious testing. And so after these things, the young man's grown up, uh, he's about 15, and it's definitely a test. And so it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Everyone say, here I am. Come on, here I am. That's it. Now listen, here I am is not just simply Hebrew for, hello. Here I am, or here am I. Listen, that is a term of surrender. That's a term that Abraham uses for God to say, I'm ready I'm ready to go, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, I'm ready. Here I am, Lord. It is a place where he just simply surrenders from God. Let me ask you, is that how you respond to God? When he calls your name, here I am, Lord. I'm ready. I'm surrendered. I'm I'm listening. Have you ever responded to God that way? Here I am. Listen, listen. I believe today God is calling your name. And how you respond to him calling your name will testify to what you really believe. Some of you, you just say, is is that you, God? Hello? But do you really say in your hearts, here I am? Here I am? Listen, every time God has called Abraham, it seems like he, he calls him to leave something impossible, do something impossible, Leave something good for something that's better. 30 years of going and trusting and going and trusting. And today God is calling you to step out into what maybe seems the impossible or to trust God and leave something good so that you can experience what is best. And so when God calls your name, will you say, here I am? Or will you just say, here I am? Here I am, Lord. That's what he says. Well, you have the same response. The difference between a life of slavery and a life of joy is trust. Do you trust? If your trust is anything in anything other than Jesus, you will be a slave. But if all you have is trust in Jesus, you'll be set free. Listen, where's your trust? When God says your name, when he calls your name, Will you say, here I am? Look in, verse, look in verse 2. It says, after these things, he called his name Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And God said, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. By the way, these mountains of Moriah, they were right next to where the city of Jerusalem would be. Right next to it. And the word son in these few verses is used ten times. Over and over and over again. Your son. Take your son. Your only son. The son whom you love. Take your son to the land of Moriah and and offer your son, the son whom you love, there on a burnt offering as one of the mountains. Ten times. You You see, listen. This child represents everything to Abraham. It was the promise. 
It was the hope. It was everything. They, they left everything for this promise. This son, he was everything, all their hopes, all their dreams, all their affections, all was centered on this child. And God says, take your son, that promised son, and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. I want you to go to the mountain that I'm telling you, and I want you to offer him there. Let me ask you a question. What is your Isaac? When you think about it, what is the thing? What is the thing that's the scariest for you to let go of? What's the one thing that you hold so clean, so tightly to, and you say, God, not this. You can have anything, but not this. Think of it. For 30 years, you've waited for this. 30 years, you've, you've worked for this. 30 years, you've sweat for this. You, you would do anything for this. That's what God calls Abraham into. He says, offer that up. Look in verse 3. So Abraham, what did he do? He acted upon that he trusted God. He rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose. And he went to the place of which God had told him to go. And on the, give me that. On the third day, everyone say third day. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Let me ask you a question. It's not a trick question. How many days had they been walking? Three days. How many days had they been walking with the wood, with the donkey, with the young men, with his son? How long? Three days. He's been walking for three days. Listen to me, a greater life for God doesn't come because you believe something, but it comes as you act upon what you believe. Now hear me, because multiplication in your life doesn't come from your initial response of here I am. It comes sometimes days, years later. And so this dude has been walking for three days, thinking in his mind, how in the world is this going to work out? How many of you would have bailed on day two? Day one, right? We start walking, we say, here I am. And when it gets a little hard, a little rocky, true faith is not shown in the initial response of here I am. It's shown on the third day. When you're struggling through the desert, when the terrain gets a little rocky, when you start heading up the mountain, the mountain gets really steep and it's difficult to follow God. That's when true faith starts to come. Some of you know what it's like to begin in a step of faith but only falter after day one, maybe day two. Many of us, we don't make it to day three, but we're going. And and maybe you're there right now and God has called some of you to something scary. Maybe God has called some of you out of a comfort zone, out of what's, what's, what's secure for you. Maybe he's calling you into something that you've never done. Maybe he's calling you into something to actually trust him with the impossible. And on day one, okay, I'm good. Day two, I'm good. Day three, I'm out of here. I'm done with this. This is getting too hard. But listen, day three comes and God has called you to trust him. 
He's called you to trust him. And so maybe you're on day three and you're like, I'm not seeing fruit. This mountain is rocky. This hill is really steep. It's kind of hard to climb. And what happens is, is you just bail on the whole thing. Listen, some of you thought, thought following Jesus was full of uh, warm fuzzies and goosebumps. Who told you that? Right, where did you? Then if you start following Jesus, like you'll never lose a job again. You'll never go through a sickness I mean, that's, that's, that's ridiculous, right? Some of you, you thought that following Jesus would be like a never-ending Bethel concert. I mean, tears all the time. You don't even know why. A life of forgiving those who hurt you, right? Dying to self, becoming a living sacrifice, carrying your cross daily, fully dependent on God through the highs and the lows, through the valleys and the peaks. Listen, it's hard. But listen, as the testing goes, so your faith grows. On the third day, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, and you don't really show your faith by the initial yes. You show it on the third day. When you keep going up the mountain. Look in verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, Hey, stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and we'll worship. And we will and we'll come to you again. We'll come again to you. Listen, Abraham was convinced that somehow they were both going to come back. Somehow, they were both going to return. He didn't know how, but he trusted in the promises of God. He didn't know how it was going to work out. He knew this whole thing was going to be a a miracle. But in verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his son, I'm sorry, he took in his hand the fire and the knife So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said what? Here I am. Here, like, oh, what? Something's happening. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here I am, my son. He said, behold, uh, I see the fire, and we've got the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, listen to this, God will provide for himself the lamb. God will provide for himself the lamb. God is not needy. He is not inadequate in any way. Acts says that God is not served by human hands as though he needs anything. Listen to me. God is not lacking anything. He's not waiting on you to move so that he can be God. He doesn't need. Abraham says, God will provide for himself. If God needed you to provide for God, listen to me, he wouldn't be God. And Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. 
Now, what this response tells us, it, it tells us what drove Abraham up the mountain. And listen to me, it's not the strength of his character that drove him on the third day. It's, it's, not, it's not Abraham saying, I can do it. I can do it. I mean, he's listened to his, his Beats by Dre, right? The Rocky soundtrack. Dun, 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 dun. He's not pumping himself up. He's not doing it. He's not saying, oh, I can do this. I can do it. I think I can. I think I can. I can do it. He's being reminded every moment, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. I don't know how it's working out. God is faithful. Listen to me. The only thing that's going to move you onward as a, as a pastor, as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as an employee, as a boss, as a student, no matter what anxiety or depression that comes to your life, the only thing that's going to move you forward in difficult times and financial hardships, the only thing that's going to move you forward on the third day is not your character or your ability to pump yourself up. It's trusting in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Somebody say amen right there. And some of you are like, I don't know that because I've been trusting my life to myself my whole time. And we don't know it. But listen to me. Listen to Abraham. The only thing that's going to get you up on the third day and keep you going is knowing that God is faithful and his never-ending promise for you will be fulfilled by himself. He's going to take care of it. Look at, look at Isaiah uh, chapter 40, verse 30. He says, even young men, even youths, shall faint and be weary. You rely on your own strength, young man. You're strong, right? There's coming a time where you're going to be faint and you're going to be weary. Even young men, even strong men will stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who trust in the Lord shall renew. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Listen to me. The only thing that's going to get you through is the fact that Jesus said, I will do this. I will do it. Look in verse 9. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now I want you to imagine this. Think about this. If Isaac was strong enough to carry the wood up the mountain. Don't you think he would have been strong enough to overcome a 115-year-old man and get away? He's 15 years old. This guy's 100. And so what happens is Isaac is there. He gets bound. He's not understanding. He willingly lays and crawls upon the altar, trusting God and trusting his dad. How many teenagers would do that? He lays down on the wood, bound. The only way Isaac would do this is if he learned how to trust God from his daddy. And Isaac learned by hearing his dad talk about what he believed, but he watched 
how his dad lived it out since he was born. He watched what his dad did. And the same faith that Abraham had was caught. The fire that his dad had was caught by Isaac. And Isaac said, all right, here I am. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll go wherever you go. I trust you, God. And so this kind of faith, listen to me, is caught. It's not taught. And so your kids will not trust God because what you say you believe. Your kids will only trust God when you rather act upon what you actually believe. They're going to see in your life if you really trust God or not, not just what you say with your mouth. Generation after generation, walking away from the church, walking away from God, because their parents, they say one thing, they say they trust God, but really they don't in any area of their life. They give more to Starbucks than they do to the kingdom. And they're trying to make sacrifices. You know, we got to make sacrifices. We got to have this thing so we can't really invest in the church. We can't give our time. We can't give our talents. We eat it all. And so where's the trust? Does your life and how you live and how you give teach your children that you trust God or not? Does the way you live and the way you give teach others around you that you trust God? When your coworkers, when your neighbors, when the friends around you watch your life, does it say that you trust God wholly? Or does your life just reflect everyone else's, you, it's just something that you say, I trust God? Does your life actually point to the fact that you trust God? Or has it just become something that we say, here I am, and never move? Look in verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. He reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his own son. And some of you are like, wait a minute. How can God command something like this? It doesn't make sense. Listen, let me clarify for you. This was not a command to murder Isaac. If the command was just to murder, he could have just stabbed him in the tent, saved the three-day journey. Right? But this was, a, this was a burnt offering. So something greater must be going on. You see, in, in the Old Testament, the offering of the firstborn, it symbolized the debt that every man owes to God. That's the symbol. Your firstborn son, your only son, your first son, that's the debt that you owe to God. And so in the sacrificial system, if you think about it, God required the firstborn lamb, the firstborn goat, the firstborn of all the livestock, the first fruits of the trees, the first harvest of the field, right? And so over and over again, the only one, the only way that you could spare the life of the firstborn was in its place. Remember the Passover? Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let the people go. The plagues come. The last one is the plague of death. And God took the firstborn of every household that did not have the blood of the unblemished lamb that was sacrificed over the doorpost. You remember that story? So in other words, the life of the firstborn 
It was the debt that everyone owed unless there was some sort of redeeming sacrifice that was made in its place. And listen, because of sin, our debt that we owe to God is death. The Bible says that the wages of our sin deserves death. The wages of your sin and my sin, it deserves death. And so, and so this wasn't just to call, hey, kill your son. Abraham knew this was the debt that I owe. This is God just asking for, for what I owe him. And so he's willing to trust God. Now, look at verse 11. So with the knife suspended in the air, ready to slaughter his son, verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said what? Here I am. Right? Here I am. He said, don't don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham, he lifted up his eyes, and he looked. And behold, behind him was a ram. It was caught in a thicket by his what? By his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering. What? Instead of his son. Instead of his son getting what he deserved, there was a ram that was caught by his thorns. The sacrifice, listen, had to be unblemished. It had to be pure. The ram caught in the bushes was caught by his thorns, which means his body was unbroken. His body was unblemished. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In the Bible, the name of a place was significantly, extremely important because it symbolized the significance of what happened there. Now, let me ask you a question. What did Abraham call the place? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Everyone say that. The Lord will provide. Let me ask you again. What was the name of the place? What was the name that Abraham called the place? Now, listen to me. The place was not called Abraham Obeyed. It's called the Lord will provide. Because in that place, there was something greater than Abraham's obedience. You know what it was? God's never failing, never ending commitment to provide for us. It's not Abraham obeyed. It's the Lord will provide. Listen, if you don't get this, get this. Get nothing else. Listen, centuries later, another son. Another one and only son, a father loved, would walk on the mountainside. And again, that son would willingly crawl up upon the wood to be sacrificed in our place. This time, however, the knife of wrath and justice would not be stopped in the air, but rather it would slash straight through the heart of Jesus Christ. 
And in that moment, God would keep his promise to you as offering to you his only son. Jesus would become the sacrifice in your place and in my place and absorbing the wrath of God toward our sin and my sin. Now hear me, Jesus was obedient. Jesus trusted the Father. Jesus willfully walked up the mountain carrying the wood on his back gets to the top, willingly lays down upon the cross, and he would become the unblemished lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the one with, with, the, with the thorns on his head being crucified for us. And because of that, look at me, we can know that the Lord provides. Since the Lord's provision is greater than our obedience. The Lord provides is greater than my obedience because he's not withheld his only son from us. And listen, when we think, when we look at that blood-stained hill, that's where we come to believe and know, yes, the Lord will provide. This pledge week, it's not about your commitment to God. It's about you trusting God's commitment to you. Do you trust him? The place was not called Abraham obeyed. The place was called the Lord will provide. Do you believe that the Lord will provide? Listen, when it's all said and done, and you look backwards on your 12-month pledge, the one thing, listen to me, the one thing that's going to stand out is not will be, it will not be your great sacrifice for God. It will be how over and over and over again the Lord provided for you. It'll be a testimony of his never-failing, unending love for you. When you see that God did not withhold his only son, his only son, what possibly would we want to withhold from him? What is your Isaac? What is the one thing that God is saying? Would you let go of that and let me take you to greater places? Let me show you greater glory. Now watch how it ends. Verse 15. The angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you and your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess, possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Listen, because Jesus obeyed, we are saved. And because we trust God with our time, our treasures, our talents, by extension, when we obey, others will be saved. That's what we're about here at the church, is wanting to see a greater impact for his kingdom, for his glory in this world. And he's calling some of us 
to say, here I am. Whatever you want, wherever you lead, I will go, I will give, I will do. I am yours completely. And when we obey that call, others will come to know Christ. The point is not God needs your Isaac. The point is that every single part of your life is ultimately a response to the gospel. That Jesus came and died willingly in our place. What we want to be is a people who without restriction give our first and our best back to God. Let's pray. Jesus, well, we call on your name now because we know you're risen. That as you sacrificed yourself on that cross, we know it was on the third day that you rose. It was on the third day that you showed yourself powerful, fulfilling your promise for us. And so today, when we say the name Jesus, we know you hear us. And Lord, today I ask you that you would give us strength through your Holy Spirit to give our first and our best back to you. To say with our hearts and with our lips, here I am. Here am I, Lord. All that you've given me, all that you've blessed me with, all my time, my energies, my resources, everything is yours. Would you lead me into a path so I can see that, that you do the impossible, that you provide even though I don't know how or what it looks like, but God, I trust you. Would you help us trust you? Would you help us walk with you? Jesus, we acknowledge that testing is hard. It's rocky, it's steep. The burden is heavy. But Lord, as we trust you, we will have renewed strength. Oh, how sweet it is to trust in your name because it will set us free. We ask you, we pray to help us in Jesus' name. Amen.